I, I believe that you and I can agree that as long as it gets done and it's clean and it's good, does it matter? Yes. Squeegeening Podcast Season 2. This podcast is sponsored by Blind Maggot, Magnacolas, MR, Target Transfers, and Adobe Creative Suite. I'm Slim, one half of Eight Ball Imaging along with uh, my husband, Roy, and he's not here right now. So I'm the face. And usually if he is here, he's not on camera. (laughs) So yeah, the running joke on our YouTube channel is uh, that guy. So I usually just kind of show his feet or something like that. He's camera shy. So yeah, I've I've seen him in like one video I think like when he was on mm-hmm. press like once mm-hmm. I was like I yeah. didn't even know this guy was around so yeah he's managed to yeah. dodge, dodge it quite well hasn't he it's kind yes, of I have to take some shots yeah, yeah. I have to take shots yeah. of him so <laughs> um could you tell us like how long you've been I'm gonna say like garment decoration industry because I don't think you've been screen printing that whole time have you you just um no no, no we haven't uh we began in 2017 and initially we started off with vinyl, um, particularly because we weren't quite sure if we wanted to do the screen print uh, portion yeah. yet. And as um, our customer base increased, we said, okay, it's a little bit more efficient to do screen printing than, than it does, you know, the vinyl. Yeah. Um, and then of course, also we do the rhinestones as well. So, um, so we began the, the screen printing portion probably about three years after we began in 2017. Mm-hmm. So it was at, well, no, actually before that in 2019. So two years. Yeah. So yes. So yeah. We've been screen printing since 2019. Mm-hmm. So I think like from what I'm seeing of what you're producing, your customer base is like local people and they're mm-hmm. like mainly events and maybe small orders to do with, are they designing it themselves or are they kind of giving you an idea and you're having to, take the designing on yourself because they might not have those skills and then you're majority of them are are just giving us the idea and then we take their vision and and put our spin on it as far as the graphics are concerned and yes you're right most are local we have done some work for uh, people in Atlanta and St. Louis California so we have stretch outside of Detroit, Michigan, <clears throat> excuse me, but majority of our clientele is, is local. Yeah. Is that because you're such a specialist with the rhinestones and that's something that you have to have patience and extra skills to, to take on? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Um, we have a, a lot of majority of our clientele again are, is women and, or are women. And a lot of them do like the stone, stone work. Um, we're one of very few shops that offer that. So that's kind of a niche, <clears throat> excuse me, that's kind of a niche that's not, we didn't specify that to be a niche. It's just uh-huh. one of those things that we, yeah. So I believe that the rhinestone work is indicative of where we are. And because of that, um, we get more people who, you know, request that work. As far as being patient with it, yes, it is It is a patient thing, but we also have, and that's kind of later down the line of, of one of our hacks of how we do our rhinestone designs, but it's not as difficult. Well, I guess for me, it's not, yeah. it's not that difficult um, to really do. It's more so um, when you're dealing with sizing. 
So there's different sizes of stones. So every design is not, it's not a cookie cutter uh, type process mm. at all. So the more intricate the design, uh, the smaller the stones or the bigger the stones and and the colors. So we also do multicolor design work as well in stones. So yeah. And you can and you combine like with your Detroit, your clothing line, mm-hmm. the Detroit, you, you're combining there with the one you're wearing. That's like rhinestones and vinyl, isn't it? Yeah. So you don't mind like layering up and just going, oh wait, I've got some ideas for that. I've got loads of materials that I can work with. So yeah, I suppose you're not like Definitely. restricting yourself like that. <laughs> no, we are always pushing the envelope, always trying new things. We pride ourselves on not just being basic. So we <laughs> try to do everything to the next level and saying, you know, you can do, you can have this and we can do this along with that. And we think that kind of sets us apart from. Yeah, I, th- I think it must do because like, when I'm seeing the kind of stuff that you're producing, the only places that I'm seeing it locally for me is like the cheer community, cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're like massive into like rhinestones and stuff, but yes. I could always, I could never even contemplate touching that work because of, <laughs> I just can't have no patience. I've just about got patience for weeding vinyl, but I definitely can't do rhinestones. Yeah. But then I was, I was looking at your pages and I, so I saw how you do it. And I didn't mm-hmm. know it was unique to you, but where you like cut out where the, the stones are going to be and then mm-hmm. you pour all the stones on as like you've made mm-hmm. yourself like a template. Is that how you figured out? Yeah. Yes. Is that your hack? Yes. Yes, it is. So that's the easiest way of doing it. Um, when we're doing flat back stones, because there's a difference between flat back and uh, hot fix. So hot fix are the ones that you use the press for. And the flat backs are the ones that you actually hand place um, with a, it's a rhinestone tool. Yeah, it's like, it's a rhinestone tool that picks up the stone and you use a glue and then you hand place those. Now, those are the ones that take uh, a lot of time and there's no template for those. But as far as the ones for the garments, that particular hack is making the template and then that template can be reused over and over again. So it's not like it's a throwaway. Yeah, so the beauty of that is like, once you make the template, then if someone wanted this particular design, but they wanted it in a different color, then we just put brush in different color stones or we can mm-hmm. make a two color or we can make a three color. I mean, we can, we can get as fancy as the customer wants. Yeah. Um, another thing that I can't get my head around with pricing vinyl jobs and one-off jobs in general is mm-hmm. I always felt like when people were approaching me for that kind of stuff, like vinyl, I didn't mm-hmm. know how to, to price it. Because mm-hmm. I had like the idea of a single color or a two color and they might be different prices, but how do you go about doing it? Because it's labor intensive, the materials are expensive, and then mm-hmm. you might be spending hours doing design as well. So in the end, one yes. shirt might cost a lot. And I don't know how you go about figuring it out. We do uh, use the calculator for all of our processes. So we have a specific vinyl calculator that we use. Mm-hmm. And um, it is we input on the back end what the material costs and what the size of the uh, image will be. Mm. So with that information, it automatically calculates for us what the suggested charge would be versus what it would cost us to make it. And then, of course, you know, factoring in our labor and what have you. So 
um, that calculator is a lifesaver because in the beginning we were kind of just guesstimating and, and we were like, it's, this is way too much. And then of course, with more materials, um, because as you know, vinyl, all vinyl is not created equal. So you have the metallic, you have the puff, you have the, this, that, and so all of those have different price points. And so that calculator was needed. We just plug that information in and it, and it shoots out the information that we need to price it. Yeah. Do you, do you think people getting into garment decoration and using vinyl, it's quite easy to accidentally accumulate a, a massive range of vinyls and colors and textures and stock that's kind of like almost, it's not dead stock, but it's kind of sitting on your shelf and it's cost you money. And it's like, yes. how do I use that up efficiently without just it? Because I've got a whole wall of it in my other mm-hmm. room. And mm-hmm. it's like, what am I, I can't throw it away. People yeah. give it to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. They just like dump it here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how to use it efficiently or keep track of it. Or <laughs> it, it is a lot. We, um, in the beginning, again, like I stated uh, before, you know, where we're getting our feet wet, we were dealing with a local club. And so we actually just use their primary colors. Mm. Um, and so we only had like two or three rolls of vinyl at the time. Now, um, a lot of it is from, you know, our other clients who want so many colors and this, that, and the third. So yes, we have a plethora of inventory, but that's why uh, we also offer that uh, you can layer vinyl and instead of just one color jobs, we, you know, push the envelope. I don't know if you saw the other videos that yeah. we posted on Instagram. Yeah, we, we use all of those different colors to create a colorful shirt and um, and different media as well. So that helps us use the materials I that see. we have. Yeah. Yeah. And then we do a lot of testing as well. On the, on, the, on the back end of new materials. The, the one thing about vinyl, just like screen printing, there's so much new stuff that's coming out and you want to try mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Um, but what I, what I like about vinyl um, is that it is malleable. It's a little bit more controlled. It's way more controlled than screen printing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just a matter of just testing out everything that we have and just using what we have. And I mean, we still have vinyl from three years ago because we yeah. bought such massive rolls and we're thinking, okay, everybody's going to buy this color, and then they don't. So we still have it, and so you know, we try to just we try to just use it. What people don't know is that vinyl does have a shelf life, though. And uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, I've got so much. I need to send it. I need to send it to someone who actually uses it. I just kind of thought, as long as you don't heat it up a crazy amount and then like leave it next to a radiator, it'd be fine. I didn't know it had a shelf life. Whoops. Well, it is as long as you take care of it. If you do those things, it will last probably up to five years or more. The okay. only thing that we've noticed is that it just becomes tougher to weed, but it still adheres properly. So when I say shelf life, it doesn't mean that it's going to crumble or it's going to come off when people buy it and wash it and what have you. It just becomes a little tougher for you to weed. So, mm. but yes, by all means, keep it away from heat and moisture and chemicals and stuff like that. And uh, like I said, the vinyl that we've had from four or five years ago is still working. It's just yeah. tougher for us to deal with. So, yeah. But there, yeah. there are some transferable skills from working with vinyl and working with quite complicated screen printing. Because mm-hmm. I saw in one of your tutorial YouTube videos, something that I actually messed up quite a bit is when you're layering up vinyls, like one of the layers might just shrink and then you've just completely ruined the shirt because yes. 
you've heated you're you you're using heat and got I don't is it the garment shrinking or is it just the is it the vinyl layer shrinking? Is it both? The vinyl is shrinking. Well, a little bit of both because mm. just like in screen printing, when you kind of pre-press uh, or preheat your shirt, you know, it's going to shrink a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so even in vinyl work, you know, we also do a pre-press, get the wrinkles and, and um, moisture out. So we're prepping it for that. But the main thing what happens is the vinyl shrinks. So mm. that's why it's very important that when you're layering and using multiple colors, um, you only do like a one to two second tag and you have right. to have a very good heat press for that. That's evenly heated and, and what have you. Um, so yeah, it's all about the more colors you put down, the shorter the tack has to be because every time you press again, you're pressing that vinyl that you've already put down. Yeah. So that's getting another press. Then you put in another color and so on and so on. So yeah. I've never thought of that. Just give it a second just to like locate it instead of mm-hmm. making it for the idea. I hadn't thought of that. But the other yeah. thing is um you to compensate for the shrinkages and stuff, you were putting like traps and like strokes and things on the layers in exactly the same yeah. way that you layer up, um, you know, your different layers and colors for screen printing. So Correct. I suppose you found mm-hmm. that quite easy to transition into screen print because you had all those skills. Yeah. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So the a lot of the designing techniques that we picked up from the vinyl side, made it easier to transition over to screen printing because it, like you just said, it really is the same thing. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I was going to, uh, I plan on doing a video expanding on that, showing that, you know, the trapping and, and the spreads and the, and the, um, and even the choking sometimes yeah. because yeah. Uh, vinyl even requires some choking. It depends on yeah. if you want the shirt to come through as an outline and what have you, yeah. but really they really, they cross over a lot between screen printing and vinyl. Yeah. Have you, have you found that now you're doing screen printing, you're accepting jobs that you would have turned away when you were just doing vinyl because of like how many the people were ordering, like the, the order quantities, or have you never really turned a job away like that? You're just like, now nah, take it on whatever the application. Um, I would say yes and no. Uh, in the beginning, like always, you know, we're excited about the screen printing. And so, you know, we took on jobs that were smaller than necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once we realized all of the work that goes into it, then that's when we created our minimums. Mm-hmm. So um, with that being said, we have a lot of a lot of our clients uh, are more individuals and maybe small organizations. Uh, well, I, t- I take that back. Our, our individuals and families. And then when it comes to the organizations, we push them to the screen printing because usually they want to order more. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of our other clients, you know, they may be smaller and they don't meet the minimums. And so what we're going to charge by them not meeting the minimums, we try to help them save money. It's like, this is not beneficial for you. You know, screen printing also depends on the, the, uh, the design. So, yeah. because as you know, everything, everything can be screen printed, but everything cannot be in vinyl. So. Well, everything that you're doing, you, you're doing like six colors with everything. I haven't seen anything that you wouldn't be able to achieve with vinyl. Mm. Maybe like color blends and realistic yeah. photos and things like that. I suppose, what would you do with photos? You'd just kind of like 
bring the threshold up and do them as a silhouette or something like that with vinyl? If we were to uh, use the photo in vinyl, we would vectorize it. So yeah. it would look more like line work. Um, mm. So, of course, it would it would miss the gradients and, and things like that. But, yes, we would just vectorize it and uh, and look make it look more yeah. like a, I hate to say um, cartoon, but, you know. I, I don't know what you're seeing over there, but in the UK, if we go to a trade show or if we open a magazine or anything, we're just not seeing anything about vinyl now we're seeing about like director film and dtf and all that kind of stuff do you mm -hmm. feel like that's something you want to get into and do you see any benefits over vinyl just in just ease basically ease is, is definitely one of them um it's still remains to be seen we have uh double dabbled in in dtf and we do offer that as a service um, primarily for people who still are under the minimums of screen printing, mm. yet they still want that photorealistic look. So mm. um, I believe it does have a place in in our shop because it looks like it's going to be here to stay. Yeah. And yes, as far as when we have worked with it before, it is definitely easier than weeding a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we're very intricate and and some of the designs that we've done with vinyl so it remains to be seen i i'm concerned about the overall longevity of quality yes i know you yeah know? so we're still testing that out because in my head the there's there's two different things i don't know what you you have access to but we've got like dtf which like anyone can have a machine in their studio and mm. then there's um you guys are going to have more super color but we've got ultra color and that's mm -hmm. i think both of those are like a hybrid of screen printing and dtg at the same time kind of to make the, those transfers mm -hmm. and then so um i'm just thinking of all these kind of dtf things it's just like dtg and i don't trust dtg in its like resistance to fading when you've washed it five, six, seven times. So I trust screen we, printing a lot more. So I don't know. Exactly. It, um, we can control, and, and I know it sounds like an oxymoron to say that you can control the processes better with your screen printing. Yeah. Um, then you can with those other mediums because they're still new. And like I said, I believe that as time goes on, if it sticks around, which it looks like it's going to, they'll, they'll more than likely improve the processing. Um, with DTG, the only reason why we did not really get off into DTG, um, because we didn't, one, we didn't have the clientele to, you know, yeah. support what it costs to get into that. The pre-treatment, it seems like it was a much more of a longer process. Yeah. So DTF, if we were to go, anything outside of what we're currently doing um as far as the printing process is concerned it will more than likely be dtf because it seems yeah. like it's a little bit more malleable than yeah. and, and and feasible than dtf uh dtg mm. yeah um yeah there you go <laughs> i've got exactly <laughs> the same i've got the same yeah. uh like yeah i've got the same experiences of mm -hmm. i've just completely passed over DTG and I think a lot of people are annoyed with my opinion on it but I don't care anyway mm -hmm. um can we talk about like your clothing line and why you've kind of done that and like is that kind of like a passion project that now you're 
that you've always wanted to do and now you've kind of like really expanded it into the stores and, and tell it tell us where that came from and stuff um well we're detroit natives obviously and yeah. we love our city uh most people from detroit who are really from detroit um what does that mean really from- when you're really from Detroit, you you would be surprised how many people we run into and they find out we're from Detroit and they say, yeah, I'm from Detroit too, but they're literally from the outskirts of the city. Yeah. They're from the <laughs> suburb. So everybody, you know, they claim they're from Detroit, but, you know, as we say, Detroit, uh, you know, originals. Are people who, exactly. It's we're born and raised here. So we, we're not literally, or that, but a lot of people were either born here and they moved um, to a suburb. Um, but usually you have to go down to conversation because if you meet a Detroiter and <laughs> you know they say, hey, I'm from Detroit, the first thing we'll ask is what side, which means east or west. Yeah. If you don't say either of those, you're not from Detroit. You're from, <laughs> you know, you're from the suburbs. We still have love for everybody in Michigan, however, but <laughs> that <laughs> but that being said, um for me, not necessarily Roy, uh, he was kind of skeptical about the whole retail portion of it. Mm. Um, he really wanted to stay on the servicing side. And I've always wanted to have a clothing line um, ever since I, I've always wanted to print, even when yeah. I was younger. Yeah. So that was one of the dreams in addition to what we're doing. And Detroit Original basically stemmed from, like I said, the, those conversations um, stating that, you know, we are original Detroiters. And again, not to take away from anybody who has love for Detroit, uh, yeah. because it also, it also means that as well. They can wear the you shirts know. too, but. They can wear the shirts too. I mean, it's <laughs> open to everybody. So, yeah. you know, you'd be surprised how many people from out of town just love Detroit shirts. And to be a Detroit original also means that you, you love, you have love for the city. So mm. it was uh, inspired by that. And um, we just came up with, you know, certified Detroit or, you know, Detroit Original 313 certified. So just saying that you're a certified lover of Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I wish people loved my town as much as you love Detroit. (laughs) Like, I actually really like my town now. I used to kind of think it was, do you know when you grow up somewhere and you're a kid and you're like, ugh, I can't wait to move out. I actually do Mm -hmm. like my town now, but... You don't get passion for it. You don't get people wearing yeah. Newbury tops or <laughs> anything like that. I actually named myself a Newbury hoodie, but no one ever asked asked for asked one off me. Really? So yeah, really? I don't think there's. Uh, you have to. Yeah, then no one's wearing Newbury tops apart from me. Such <laughs> a sad ass, but yeah, no, yeah, Americans are very passionate about where they come from and stuff, aren't they? So because you've got your that is true. Feel like all these little microcultures within within the cities and stuff that right yeah right. yeah hmm okay a real Detroitian that's the Detroitian is what you call people from Detroit, Detroit yeah oh okay that's in the what, what, what did you call it Detroit uh, Detroiters Detroiters yeah okay. Detroiters yeah see I'd be like a Newbarian which just sounds Detroit. like a li- librarian and then it sounds a librarian like a, Detro- a Detroitian I might have to write that down <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be on your next thing I'll I'm gonna uh, register I'll it so you, you can't I give you credit exactly <laughs> yeah um but that shop that you're in that's like mm-hmm. that's already a Detroit um mem- I, I'm gonna call it memorabilia but it's not really is it 
they're like a they're a fashion retail shop that already sells that kind of stuff. And Correct. you just yeah, okay, I understand. So you already had like a market for it. Correct. Uh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So that store particularly it's called Detroit Grindstrong and yeah. they house everything Detroit. So you have uh along with our designs, there are three or four and, and, and please forgive me if I don't have the exact numbers, but maybe about three or four more um, retailers and designers mm. who have their Detroit goods in there as well, and yeah. including the owner. So, yeah. how, how mm-hmm. have you seen that? Like, have you seen regular sales and stuff from having that in there? Or like, yes, think, yeah, yes. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, we just recently placed some uh, hoodies in there. Um, excuse me, we're going to add two more shirts to uh, the line. And it's pretty much, you know, the same thing. It's just a different style of shirt. But yeah, the sales have been pretty good. So um, one of them in particular is on the verge of selling out. So yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's tricky to know where to put stuff like that though, because isn't it? Because I've done uh, market stores, which are quite like high intensity and you get like quite a lot of sales in one day. And then we also have like own brand stuff in other people's shop and they're quite like slow ticking along things. Mm-hmm. So it, again, it's kind of a little bit like yours, but there's probably about 20 other people selling in, in there. Like we've just got one little rail. Um, yeah. The, the competition is great. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever done okay. like market stores? Cause I know you, we were talking about like live printing in like a chat on our Instagram once, but have you, mm-hmm have you actually like gone out on market stores and figured out live printing yet? No. And we were looking into that, um, around COVID and unfortunately, you know, oh, well, we all know COVID happened. So that put a pause on everything. So as the world started opening back up, you know, we entertained it, uh, as you know, we have to get more equipment for that because we yeah. can't take our big, massive beast <laughs> screen printing machine down yeah, there. So that's another investment that we have to consider. And we were really deciding on whether or not we want to do that or if we want to go directly into embroidery, which is our mm. next move. So it's an either or it's tricky yeah we we only managed to do it yeah we only managed to do it because we got a grant and we like made the grant proposal the fact that we're getting this kind of live screen printing event space so that that brought out all the gazebo and all like the single press and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's tricky to know whether you'd get your money back on live printing unless you're because the way we thought about it is live printing will attract people to your stall and sell more shirts. But mm-hmm. then when we actually didn't have live printing one week, we sold a lot more shirts. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea I think is that we were scaring people off by them going like seeing the press and some people were interested in it, but some people were like, Oh no, 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 not for me. And they're mm-hmm. actually a bit scared of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think selling yourself as a service as a live screen printer at other people's events that's really lucrative so that might even pay for the whole equipment in just one go mm-hmm. that's tricky which that's something that to. i i still want to look into it myself um and i think we're both not opposed to it it's just about what's the next move right now and again like i said because the, the world was kind of shut down yeah um now is seeking out those venues and events 
that would support that. And, mm. and like you said, what, what's our rate of return on that? Yeah. Um, and how lucrative it would be. So it, we haven't thrown it completely out, but it's not something that we're like focusing on right now. Um, yeah. Even though I kind of, I do kind of bring it up every couple of months, but. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would, I think the most lucrative way of doing it is that selling yourself as an, as an event person. And I've seen mm-hmm. other people get into it recently as well. Um, yeah, but I think the embroidery is, is easier to justify as a business expense. It's a more sensible mm-hmm. one, isn't it? Less risky, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. So like, um, what kind of customers are asking for embroidery? Cause you're doing like one-offs and small, like family kind of customers. Who's, who's asking for embroidery that you feel like you're not catering for yet? Wow. Well, every time that, you know, we go out and we advertise, you know, who we are, what we do, it's like now the first thing people ask for is like, do you do embroidery? I'm like, okay. you know, <laughs> um, so I, I'm everyone from doctors, you know, when we go mm-hmm. to our doctors, you know, we tell them what we do, you know, how doctors ask me, you know, so what do you do? And then we tell them <laughs> and it's, it's funny because they'll say, well, do you do embroidery? And we're like, not yet, but we will be this year. That is that is the goal for this year to add embroidery to the shop. So we're getting a lot of professionals. Um, yeah, we're working we're working now more with small businesses, mm. um, and they are requesting it as well. So we kept saying that if the demand is there, then that's what we're going to go into, and and it's something that we wanted to go into anyway. But like they say, if you don't have the demand, then that's not something that you just want to dive into because it is as expensive as everything else. However, the it has increased and it's a lot of small businesses and professionals yeah. that are asking for it now. So yeah. we believe that we will have the clientele for that. Yeah. Mm. So watch this space. You're literally going to be able to do everything. And you can't, you can already call yourself like a one-stop shop, don't you? So <laughs> there's nothing that you can't do now if you get that. Pretty much. Um, yeah. We are the, you know, the one-stop shop and uh, it's just the two of us. You know, the, the other goal is to eventually add employees, but um, the other processes, uh, we pretty much are solid on. Uh, we want to increase our screen printing um, capabilities to uh, simulate a process. Mm-hmm. So we want to elevate that as well. But as far as embroidery is concerned, adding to it, the one good thing that the research that we've done um, is that if you know how to design in your software for one thing, it pretty much kind of transfers over to the next. And I, I don't, I do not at all want to take away from embroidery because I hear that the learning curve is pretty great. However, the design portion it. of it. I didn't see yeah. it. Cause you, you don't just send it? it away. I don't know. Cause I just oh. you get, you even get like a, they can give you an image that's not even good. That you would mm-hmm. normally go, oh, I'll send it to a vectorizer. But the people mm-hmm. who do the digitizing to make it into an embroidery file also do vectorizing. So they clean mm-hmm. it up. Then they mm-hmm. send it back to you. You load it in, choose the colors, and that's it. See, and that's the key from what we understand. The digitizing portion, you have to have somebody good. So if you found someone that does your digitizing very well, you know, kudos to you, Um that's one of the things we're we're kind of real meticulous about our designing. We we like our stuff very clean, and that's mm-hmm. what we're known for. You know, our designs are very clean and very precise. So, not to say that there's not a digitizer out there that can't uh, appeal to you know our standards, 
but we like to do a lot of the stuff in-house. We like to keep that control to make sure that we have the the quality that we're known for. Mm. So the the only test that I did was I had the same design and I gave it to five different digitizers who all offered your first free design, you know, the first time Mm. you test with them, you get it for free. Okay. Ran all of them on the machine and then picked, literally looked, this one ran the best. It looks the neatest. They've actually like done some proper work. And he's like, he's been my digitizer for like years. <laughs> that's oh, that's wow. the only testing I did. Just like okay. free trials. You're the best. I'll keep you. <laughs> it's, okay. That's it. So no, is it somebody local where you are? No, no. Uh, he's from India and he Ooh. does our, uh, our vectorizing as well. Okay. KK. Yeah. That's it. Okay. okay. <laughs> but are you thinking about bringing that in house? Cause that sounds like a crazy skill to get your head around, but maybe I'm over, overshooting on how much work it is, but. It, it, that's another thing that remains to be seen. You know, that's the idea that we want to bring it in house and control it here. Um, but if, of course, if it impedes on everything else that we're doing and we don't have the time to dedicate to it, then, you know, we'll go the route that you've gone and, yeah. and just find a very good digitizer to hmm. do it for us. Um, and, and eventually that would be the goal as well to bring in a full time, you know, graphic designer and someone yeah. who can do that so that can free us up to do the other things that we need to do. Because like I said, right now, it's just the two of us. So everything from designing all the way down is is the two of us. Yeah. Um, can I ask you what your unpopular opinion is in the screen print industry? Did you see that question? I did. I did. <laughs> this is my favorite now. So I'll, I'll uh, see. Yeah, I watched your previous podcast and, you know, checking out some of the <laughs> other participants' responses. Yeah. And they were very good. I had to narrow mine down, you know, a couple. Um, and you had, to, not that you I had never, options. I had to, you, no, I had <laughs> options. You know, I had options. Um, <laughs> but you know, let me say, I love this industry. It's, it's very tight knit. Mm. And it's, we've met some great people, you know, such as yourself, either online or either in person. And so I love the community. And it is a love-hate relationship a little bit sometimes. Um, And I say that because, you know, when you're dealing with veterans, if you will, um, they are slow to teach, but quick to critique. And I find that there's a lack of information to really share with new and upcoming screen printers for whatever reason. Um, Aside from the YouTube videos and people such as yourself and others uh, in Facebook groups who are sharing that information, the more hands-on classes is what I'm speaking of local. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Facebook and for YouTube, for people who want to get into this industry, it would be very difficult mm. to, you know, hone your skills or, or to even know where to start. So um, I think my biggest issue would be is to offer more hands-on locally where everyone you know resides mm. uh the veterans you know to teach teach the young pups you know yeah. pass the baton and 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 don't be afraid of the competition um because there's enough at the top for everybody i feel so yeah. and, our, and our clients may not be your clients and vice versa so but if you're going to critique 
Um, and, and when I say critique, I'm not saying helpful. I'm saying just being straight up nasty and being critical. Yeah. Then, okay, you told me the problem was the solution. Um, my second was is a lack of representation of women in this industry. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are more women um, that are screen printers and are garment de- decorators who are not considered crafters, but are considered legitimate professional. And and when I say legitimate, because I know how the internet is, I am not (laughs) taking away from people who craft. Okay. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in the, yeah, in the screen print industry, women are not taken seriously enough and uh, we are not visible enough. And so I would like to see that increase Mm. as well, you know, so. Yeah, like I've that's that that's what kind of got me the other week. I, I'm I'm looking at who I'm interviewing, and mm-hmm. the majority are men, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, there has to be more women. So that's why I d- did that like um post because I was like, guys, can you just like come and just make yourselves apparent or nominate other people? And that's like where you mm-hmm. put your hand up again, and I was like, yeah, of course. But I was trying to go for like. Yeah, you just, I, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing lots in art and mm-hmm. flatbed printing and that type of thing. And mm-hmm. then again, what you said with um, people who are called like, they, they they call themselves like, I don't know if they call themselves or if other people call themselves like it's silhouette mums, like where they've got a silhouette cutter and they're, they're doing they're it. Cricket homes. mums. Cricket yeah. mums. Yeah. So that's fine if you're, if that's what you're doing, but that's not like, mm-hmm. um, it's like you're, going into a premises and opening up as a business you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a side hustle kind of area of the industry I feel I don't want to be offensive Mm -hmm. either but um yeah I know what you mean um but we have seen like print girl mafia come up recently and then Mm -hmm. the editor of screen print magazine she's like got an awards together hasn't she so she's trying to highlight more women in the industry but I've seen that yes I've seen that and I think that's so cool that they've offered um they're highlighting the women in the industry but once again it was like only so many and it's like oh but it was exciting to see because again they don't get the exposure and if it wasn't for this magazine we wouldn't even know that they existed yeah Uh, so to see that was really cool and that Mm. they're giving you know, the accolades to the women in the industry. Uh, But I've done research and I've actually looked up the specs of who's in the industry and what have you. And it is a male dominant industry. It's like 70% of screen Mm. printers are men. Mm. So why is that is the question. Is it that that's, do women feel like because it's a manual process that it's a manly thing or are we, being isolated from it or, you know, what is it? Um, so it's, it remains to be seen as, as in regards to, you know, how we are going to move forward and, and really, you know, put our exposure out there because there really are more of us than that. Yeah. Well, I'll keep digging at it as well. Cause it, it does get, it's like on the back of my mind all the time when I'm trying to, I'm trying to always like pick, like a variety of guests and then yeah just finding people who aren't like Mm -hmm. too shy to come on or anything that's another thing like I've approached quite a lot of women and they're actually no the men are shy as well no I think (laughs) I think shyness is both you'd be surprised at like how many really big shop owners are like too scared to come on a podcast 
And they're literally saying the reason is because they're too scared. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's one of the things in regards to like our, our marketing. Yeah. Um, and honestly, from what you've seen, you didn't, you wouldn't think that I was shy, uh, but I am slightly shy. So it's <laughs> just getting in front of the, yeah, just getting in front of the camera. And like my mom said, just be yourself, just be who you are. And, and the people will come. So yeah. it, it just do what you do. So, but yeah, being shy is, is I'm sure is one of the things. So. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, hopefully if people are listening to this and they are female screen printers and then they're not feeling represented, just literally DM me and let me know about yourself so that I can get yes. you on and carry on representing, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yes. I'd love yeah. to see it. <laughs> um, can you tell me about like you're saying about him being in front of the camera and stuff. Like I've seen you do videos where you're like popping to music and dancing and, <laughs> but like it doesn't seem like you're not confident in front of the camera, but why, why are you choosing to spend time doing like tutorial videos on YouTube? Like, is that just to give back to the community or are you building like um, some content on YouTube that you, you want to expand on more in the future or? Where are you going with that kind of side? De- definitely to give back because, you know, like I, we were talking earlier about teaching. So we've learned a lot from YouTube, uh, from Facebook groups and things like that. So why not take what we know and give it back to, and you know, whatever spin we have to put on it and and give back to people who would like to know as well. Hmm. So a lot of it is educating one, one in particular was from customers when they asked us, you know, what was the difference between vinyl and screen printing? And we kept getting asked that. We kept getting asked that. And so I told Roy, I said, this is something we need to talk about because you'd be surprised. People just want a shirt. Some people. Yeah. Um, others know what they want. Majority do not. And when I say that, they don't mean in the process, they just want what looks good and call it a day. So mm-hmm. when we would ask them, well, how do you want this made? And they said, well, you know, just make the shirt. <laughs> and so yeah. we said, OK, you know what? Well, you want a screen printed, you want vinyl. And then they said, well, what's the difference? And this thing, the light bulb went off. So I said, well, let me try to do a video to show what the differences are and the, and the, what it takes to, to create. And the feedback that we got from that particular video was awesome because um, a lot of my friends even said, we did not know it took that much to do this <laughs> or that, especially the screen printing side. It's like, yeah, it, it really takes a lot. And that's the reason why screen printers charge what they charge yeah. or why they have minimums is because from the design all the way down to printing, it's a lot. So, and it takes a lot of material, it takes a lot of time. So, um, so the point of the YouTube videos, going back to the question is basically to give back and, uh, to dispel uh, some of the myths and garment decorating wanted to go forward and add more of the entrepreneur side Mm -hmm. of what it takes to run a business. And, um, I don't want to give away all my secrets because there might be some YouTubers out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely want to talk about that side of it because, you know, there's a lot of videos out there showing the processes, showing the prints, uh, but no one talks a lot about the behind the scenes. And so I want to shed some light on that in an entertaining fashion, but also yeah. to show, you know, what it really takes to do all of this. So. Yeah. 
it is different. It is good that you're making it because when you get videos made by the manufacturers, you're always kind of watching them uh, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, but what are they not saying? Because they're making this look really easy and Mm -hmm. they might be giving tips and things and they might even be saying, oh, this is how much you can buy a shirt for, this is how much you can sell it for. And you're like, hmm. I need like I need to hear that from a business person who's actually selling these shirts to trust the things mm-hmm. that they're saying fully. And that mm-hmm. that's why I think like content from people who are using the materials and processes is more important or like better received by people because it seems more honest and like yeah. you have to live it yourself to understand what you can actually make out of a shirt. And um mm-hmm. yeah. So you're really just like empowering not only your customers with like education so that they stop asking silly questions basically and could use your services better, but you're also mm-hmm. saying, guys, you could do this too if you wanted to start your own business. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. So yeah, that particular video was multifaceted. It was for us, the the decorators and the printers, and it was for the consumer as well. So and I think I achieved that. But yeah. more so I, I had a lot of feedback from the consumers. And, and a lot of people were just like, we did not know, you know, no yeah. one ever showed it like that. So yeah. that there's, a, there's another weird group, by the way, watching the content and they just mm-hmm. like watching process videos and they're, they're mm-hmm. never going to buy a shirt, but they're just enjoying watching like a weird process happen. Have mm-hmm. you heard of like ASMR videos? No, but that is next on the list as well. Yeah. And, and, I was trying to, you know, piece it together like, okay, which one did I want to do? And I said, you know what, I'll do both. The ASMR for screen printing and for the vinyl. And uh, probably would be kind of short, but I I I might have to try that. And the gems. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Yes. They're actually quiet until you, you know, you pour them on on the thing and whatever, but make sure I have my mic set up. But I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Like really, really close. Cause then you've got like the shuffling of them going into the little holes. That would be the best one, I think. Oh yeah. 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 I think there's already channels. Um, One of my friends in in the UK does an ASMR videos for screen print. He does like hundreds of them. They all get like thousands of views from people watching this this kind of like weird niche of videos but yeah no it's interesting it's really some... weird what we're attracted to right i know i know <laughs> like people do that about my power washing uh videos oh my like, god why yeah. are these videos getting such good traction and it's because of those i've had people just, approach yeah. me in town about that they're like oh can really? i come yeah they're like i want to just come and work for you and do your power washing Okay. Wow. But I've never met oh, wow. them before. I know. Okay. Let me put some power washing videos. <laughs> I know. It's like creeps. <laughs> <laughs> so so like out, outside the studio and stuff, like what are you like what would you be doing like on days off and stuff? Or what would you be doing if you weren't in this industry, do you think? Well, the first one, on the days off, I find myself still working behind the scenes because <laughs> oh. is there is there really a such thing as a day off you know um i'm designing i'm just you know designing or editing video which yeah. i've been doing for the last couple of days because the, the goal for this year as well is to put up more marketing videos and when i say marketing i'm not selling just showing processes and uh the ideas like you and i just spoke about so i do a lot of that and 
you know, Roy is always joking. He's like, you, you really have to get out. You have to do more. Um, I, I do have some hobbies, but I am so I, the designing and the drawing relaxes me. Mm. So it, it, it really does. It, it just chills me out once I'm done with talking with customers and orders for the rest of the day. You know, I watch a, a few videos to kind of get some ideas of, of something that I want to work on um, or, or go back to working on something. I, I love Procreate. So I'm constantly drawing and, and reinventing myself there. However, you know, I, I, I belong to a bowling league. So I bowl every other weekend. So that's kind of like my exercise. And, you know, it's wintertime here in Detroit. So I don't really go outside too much, uh, you know, until it gets warm. And then in the, in the, yeah, in the summer months, we're both motorcyclists. So we ride our motorcycles. So that's the time that I kind of get to free my mind from the business and doing everything. And then, you know, I, we travel a lot on our bikes. Yeah, so, cool. which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And is that if what I'm the, what, sorry, go no, on. I'm sorry, go sorry. On. If you weren't a screen printer, sorry, I was just going to ask you another question about bowling, but you go, what if you weren't a screen printer? If I wasn't a screen printer. I probably would have continued pursuing uh, my background in videography and and photography. So mm. Roy has a background in photography and I in videography. And when we first began dating some 10 years ago, we decided that we were going to try that as our first business. So I'm pretty sure we would have stayed with that. Yeah. Uh, we had, We abandoned it. You know, for and when I say abandoned it, we just didn't really go into it like we do in our business now. Um, one of the reasons is because was the equipment prices. You know, yeah. we were like, oh, we got to get this camera, this and not knowing that once we got into the screen print business, it was yeah. basically the same. You yeah. know, none of it is inexpensive. None of it is cheap. So inexpensive is one thing, but cheap is, is something else. So, uh, but we found our passion here. And, and so we've taken the skills that we had from the other and just rolled it all into here. But I definitely would have been more involved in, in videography yeah. and my, you know, my first feature film. That was a, that was a journey. Yeah. Your first feature film. Yes. Sorry. What was that your first yes. feature film? My first feature film that would, I would have been working on that. Ah, cool. Well, it's like you could still do isn't it because you've still got the skills and you've still kind of been like working on your editing and things so it's like you've lost that skill set you've just kind of like pulled it in a different direction to to help you with this new business correct Hmm. Hmm. so um is eight ball imaging from bowling then the name the the logo oh it's like a magic eight ball like that no, oh, not that no. either. It's okay. actually from. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <I'm> actually, <laughs> it's actually from pool. We, oh, okay. we both, yeah, we love shooting pool, and uh, we still go play pool. But of course, you know, when we were dating, we had more time on our hands, and so we that was one of the things that we always did. We we played pool, and so when we were coming up with a name. Roy actually came up with a name and I'm like, what? And he was like, you know, we love pool. So I said, you know what? We actually do. So it was kind of quirky. We just, you know, went with it. But Mm -hmm. then I also researched more the number eight 
because um, I'm, I'm kind of like into numerology, you know, and no, I'm, you know, I don't have a little thing where I'm burning incense and doing seances now, but just <laughs> switching. Up, yeah, exactly. I'm not doing all that crazy stuff, but, you know, I looked up the, the number eight and it was indicative of how we run our lives and our business. And so the number eight is, um, it's cohesive with the spiritual world and the material world. And, and if you look at the number eight, also it connects like the infinity symbol. It also Mm -hmm. means a new beginning. So this was a new beginning for us. And so the number eight stuck. And like I said, then we just, you know, use the, you know, the simulation that we actually created that particular eight ball um, for our logo and just went with that. Yeah. No, perfect. That's completely wrong. That's much, that's much deeper, richer (laughs) meaning than I could have imagined. No, that's cool. You were close. (laughs) What's that? You were close. Magic eight ball. My magic eight ball is like, yeah. Yeah. Let's see what happens, I suppose, if you shake it hard enough. Um, yeah. Um, (laughs) you answered a lot of my questions. There's, there's so, you've like, you've just, um, yeah, you've taken on so many roles in the business, but also like gone off on tangents with the video editing and stuff that a lot of people haven't prioritized in their businesses. But mm-hmm. are you seeing like more in the industry where people are doing their own videos and they're almost like little videographers, aren't they? Like, have you seen yes. screen printers now? They're just producing these like incredible video content and yes. it just seems to be more and more important. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just thinking like, how are you going to be using your video content? Like more, are you going to focus on like YouTube shorts and things, or are you going to, cause you've kind of like dipped your turn to TikTok. Do you still think that's got value as a, as a medium or. TikTok. I have a love hate relationship with TikTok. Um, particularly because they, I don't see them being equal across the board when it comes to creators. Mm. And uh, a few of my videos, I mean, they went back in the archives and muted them. And I'm like, why? And because of music. And Mm. so, yeah, because of music. So I don't know if it's based on the level of followers that you have, because I had like a, a thousand and one ideas for TikTok. I mean, I was ready for it. And when I saw that they were muting our videos for popular music, and then they were offering, you know, businesses, this, I call it Casio keyboard music. Yeah, like, oh, I, yeah, so yeah I was like, I don't, it sucks. So I was like, I don't want to use that. It, that's not who, I can't dance to that. I can't, you know, yeah. you know, do something really clever with that. So I kind of, you know, I, I deal with another uh, music source that has some pretty good music. It may not be the most popular music or what you hear on the radio, but they really have a good um, mm. uh, sound library, which is called Epidemic Sound. Yeah. So I'm kind of going back into TikTok now, but the shorts, from what we understand, you know, trying to understand this whole algorithm thing, the shorts seem to be working a lot better than long form. I'm noticing that people's attention spans are just, you know, becoming shorter. And so now the challenge is editing down Mm. to a short, but getting the same amount of information out. You're bloody good at it. Yeah. Cause that, is that where the two minute Tuesday, you said it so quick. I actually had to look back at what you said. Cause you said, so 
they introduced that Tuesday thing and it's like everything's got a T in the beginning. <laughs> oh, the, t- the two minute Tuesday tutorial, tools, tips Tuesday. and tutorials. Yeah, it was like, yeah. well, <laughs> tips, tools, tutorials. Like, how did she just, how did she just say that? Like, and then she, that's the intro. And I was like, well, I've got to watch this now. Yeah, but that must well, be like, yeah, it- yeah, coming from having to like concentrate all the information down. Exactly. So trying to just cut it down in, in, in little small bites. And that was a challenge. And but again, you know, my mother, uh, the industry that she worked in is she really helped people to uh, get their messages across. Mm. And so she was also a, a designer, not in the garment industry, however. But she, you know, I always bounced stuff off of her. And so she says, okay, well, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Tell them the who, what, why, and where. And I I don't know what the order is and how. And just shrink it down, you know, shrink it down, get to the point. And I'm noticing that those shorter videos are are more attractive. Hmm. And I want to do longer form. Um, And maybe I'll, you know, segue from the short form. And if you want to know more, here's a longer version of it to show more of the processes and maybe answer some of the questions that are not answered in those shorts. But I have noticed, yeah, those shorts are something else. So, And there was definitely a right time to get in with them because when they first introduced YouTube shorts, we spent an entire morning just trying to upload it. And it was unbearable to use as a platform. So mm-hmm. now they've kind of copied TikTok because TikTok's like, you know, opened up this whole short form algorithm thing that's really good. And then they've just copied that, which is so much easier to use. But mm-hmm. then you, there is the avenues for like monetizing it. But also, again, what you just said, like guiding, using it to just guide people over to your yeah, long form Um I think a lot of people are going to move from Instagram reels over to YouTube shorts this year as like a huge trend because it's just got so much better. <laughs> it is definitely an uptick, but the beauty of all of them with reels, TikTok and the shorts, what makes it easier for us who are uploading videos is that, you know, once you create that vertical video, you can cross yeah. post on all three of them. And, um, so that's the, that's the cool part provided, you know, well, and all of them have uh, music restrictions right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, it's, like I said, it just makes it easier to do, but yeah, the real seem to still be popular. Yeah. Uh, we started getting more into the real, the reels portion. And again, you know, we, we get some pretty good views. So that the goal too, with all of the social media is to up our viewership and, and subscriptions, um, this year as well. And, you know, just trying to figure out the algorithm is just crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I, I don't even want to, I used to stress out about it. And I said, you know what, we're going to do what we do. We're going to post, we're going to do videos. And again, you know, the people will come if that's what they're interested in. So. Yeah. So you just said like, oh, you could post it across all the platforms. Like, I'm a bit mad at TikTok as well now, just because I'm bored of it. So mm-hmm. I make the I make it for YouTube Shorts, and then I just chuck it on TikTok as an afterthought, and just don't really give a damn if it does well or not. Because <laughs> right. you can't really talk to people on there anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm mad at I'm mad at TikTok for a for a short period of time. But, okay. Um, 
I think, do you know that thing you said about epidemic exams? That's interesting too, because I think some people don't realize that when you get, when you turn your account into a business account, then um, your, your sound library just reduces like crazy because of all those restrictions that you just said, but correct. So you really have to make sure that you're making the right choice in your creative freedom, whether you want to pay for all those, yeah, pay for the royalty free stuff or just use the normal TikTok library. That is like a consideration you have to do because it's yeah. super shitty when you get pushed onto the business one, isn't it? Yeah, hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Um, back to screen printing quickly. Like, did you find any particular part of it difficult to like get your head around or did you like struggle with any particular part of the process? The exposure the exposure was the, the probably the trickiest. And once we learned how to test and really get our systems down and our timing down, uh, that helped a lot. Mm. Uh, but we're always testing because we're changing emulsions, depending on if we're oh. using water base or if we're using a dual cure or if we're using just, you know, straight plastisol. Oh, right. So... Yeah. So the, the testing of that was one of the tedious parts. Also, I realized when we changed presses, I saw on one of your podcasts, the guy said, you know, if you had bad prints, it's probably the printer and not yeah. the, the machine. That was harsh, wasn't it? That was, yeah, that was last one. It's night. Yeah. And I get, I'm sorry, let me turn this down here. Okay. Um, and I got tickled because I'm like, no, I'm going to disagree. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to put anybody's name out there as far as, you know, the manufacturer, but we all know there are eBay presses and, and mm. Amazon presses. And then there's more industry standard and professional presses. And then there's starter presses that are out there. So if you have a, to me, I believe that the better your press, uh, yeah, the better your press is, the better your prints. Mm. So we ran into that for the first couple of years. We just could not hold registration. I don't care what we did, how we modified it. We just could not hold reg registration. It would jump. <clears throat> so we chucked that uh, press. We actually sold it and bought a new one, which is the Vastex V2000. And we are in love with that press. Mm -hmm. Mm. We've had no tweaking whatsoever. You know, it's it's just we love it. So holds registration. It's a it's a workhorse. So yeah. yeah. I, I I kind of feel like he's he's digging at um yeah, the people who haven't who are actually throwing money at mm -hmm. their kit, but not putting the time in with their skills. So they're kind of just like not not bothering to learn about the equipment and how to use it. They're just kind of like going, oh, well, I bought a 10,000 pound press that it should hold mm -hmm. registration. It's like, no, it's a, you haven't invested in yourself to know how to work that machine. So I think the now, dig is coming in in that area. Mm. Yeah, uh, because going, you know, adding more to his statement when he said, you know, if you're screen printing and pushing or pulling, whatever, if you're going, if you're not consistent, then that's going to cause issue. If you don't yeah. check the tension in your screens, that's going to cause issue. But, you know, these are the things that, uh, even though I say, stated earlier, people are not teaching this. This is something that you have to learn. 
uh, again, this is something that you have to learn on your own once you once you figure it out. But you don't even know that that something like that exists until mm-hmm. somebody such as them, you know, brings it up. And that's cool. So you just put that on your checklist of things to always check. Yeah. And initially, no, we did not check the tension of our screens, but we were also working with new screens and this particular press just didn't work for us. Yeah. So like I said, once we changed, then it, it changed everything. Yeah. But, you know, all of those factors, like he stated, were are very important is, yeah. you know, the consistency of everything. So, yeah, I, I basically spend my whole uh, day, I was probably say half of my day is troubleshooting new screen printers problems and Mm. the main thing is actually they've got a new screen but they're using a tiny screen and a massive squeegee uh that's the main one genuinely if i say like how big is your squeegee and then i write down how many centimeters wide it is and i'm like okay measure the inside of your screen and they're like oh okay it's two centimeters wider i'm like that's it a hundred like most of the time because they're just forcing the crap out of stuff that doesn't (laughs) fit inside each other and yeah, they don't know that they're there. There's so many variables that can go wrong. They just don't Correct. know which one it is. But um, yeah, it is normally just a little tiny or just a couple of little shifts and then they're having a brilliant time and they don't call me up again. So it's good. If they stop calling me, I feel like I've, so, I've solved uh, a lot of the questions. But Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, you know, we didn't know about the term called, I think, is it screen drag? Where... I don't believe in screen drag. Go on, go on. What, what is it about? Not on well, what some people call it. They, 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 um, they blame misregistration on screen drag, and I'm like, go. So say what yours is, because I don't want to be. I don't want to be antagonizing. So, well, let me ask you. So you don't think it exists at all, or I do, but I think um, some printers blame the way that they haven't figured out how to register screens on this like thing of screen drag. Oh, okay. So no, the one that I was speaking on or the one that I saw, they said that one way to achieve or the the reason why you get screen drag is mainly because like you said, the squeegee, if your squeegee is I think too big Mm. and your graphic is this small, but your screen is this much, then you're, you're, using too much pressure for that small area and you're yeah. causing the 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 mesh to to bow or to yeah. you know so um and that could have been an issue but yeah. normally you know we we match up our our squeegees to the size of the of the image but yeah, yeah that's the first time we've ever heard that and it's like oh okay no, I guess I get, I do get that one. I think I just got triggered because someone uh, came up with screen drag as the, as the reason why all his prints were shit recently in a video. I'm oh. like, no, it's just the last 20 minutes of the video that I watched. You butcher this whole process. <laughs> oh God. It does. It does worry me out. But I never comment on, I, that's something, do you know how you said, like, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like, just leave it. Because if well, no one's actively asking you for help, just shut up. I think maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's it's not like I said. It's I don't think people don't want the help, um, or or the or the critique or whatever. You know, provide your solutions. You have I've seen you respond on certain people's um, things when they're asking you guys questions, and you're very thorough in your response. So I think it's how you respond. 
you know, some people just come on and say, your print is shitty. And then, and then that's it. They're ghosts. They're gone. I like, yeah. I hope I can say shitty, but, uh, and then they're gone. So they don't tell them why it's shitty. Well, you know, what should they do better and what have you. And it's just like, you know, they just giving it a thumbs down and moving on and, and you're just sitting there like, you know, I'm, I'm a loser. So yeah, yeah this yeah, it's, it's, yeah. people it's having like hard enough time just living you don't need someone to come over your shoulders and say that shit i i yeah. have had people like say yeah do you, know, you always get the critique about the pushing and the pulling but there's something that i realized recently is um there's a couple of things with pushing and pulling is like this stupid argument that goes around in screen printing mm. first of all one argument that one guy tried to tell me was like if you push that's not what automatic screen presses do. So you're wrong by default. Like that's his definition. But mm-hmm. M&R have a press that pushes and pulls, does whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't design an automatic screen printing press that that prints in either direction if there was anything wrong with the direction of the print. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my first one. And mm-hmm. the second one is sometimes you just can't, if you're a small person, I'm only like five foot three, I can't mm-hmm. reach that end of the screen and mm-hmm. pull the ink through in a nice way where I clear the mesh in one go. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a not a giant, so I just physically can't pull a huge, massive, oversized t-shirt design. So right, it's a physical right. impossibility. <laughs> well, you know, they don't call me slim for a reason, uh, you know, for no reason, rather. So, you know, I'm kind of tiny, I'm maybe an inch taller than you. And so when it comes to images that need to be pulled, Roy does that because he yeah. has the strength in that, you know, my little wrists, even with a brace on because I have carpal tunnel, it's just, it's difficult to do. And instead of fighting, and I've tried it and I still try it, I, you know, try to get my body acclimated to, to pulling, but it's easier for me to push. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easier for me to push. And I understand that there's a place and time for everything, but I, I believe that you and I can agree that as long as it gets done and it's clean and it's good, does it matter? I don't yeah. know. Does, does it matter? You, you're, you're not, not going to get a shirt that I've pulled here and pushed here and be able to tell the difference in the end quality. You're just nitpicking on technique that you haven't, you haven't got your head around. It's absolutely nuts. I don't get it. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of like a, the comments on it. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Bring it because <laughs> it, it, it encourages <laughs> the uh, it encourages the engagement, and then more people see. Yeah. I'll do a little I'll do a little short form just to antagonize people about that. I'll make that into a clip on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just this this podcast just be like winding up screen printers. That's why I like get everyone to do the unpopular opinion as well. Mm, anyway, mm-hmm. oh, thank you, Sim. Um, I think I've I've taken a lot of your time already. And I need to let you get back to your work because it's like in the middle of your day isn't it but um yeah it's, it's lunch break so yeah oh okay yeah so i don't have lunch breaks <laughs> you don't yeah, have days just... off and i don't know how to do lunch breaks yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i usually kind of eat in between and still walking around doing stuff but you yeah. know <laughs> i gotta eat so like, keep pressing your sandwich to make it into a yeah. toasty or something <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> awesome i really appreciate you coming on and i appreciate being here thank you so much